0: You're listening to Curated Podcast from the Beyond Infinity radio program broadcast live on Tuesdays from 11am from our Mornington studios in Victoria, Australia. Presented by me, Piers Cunningham. And me, John Young. Just to give you the story on opportunity, the long-lived Rover, been there for 15 years, gone way past its 90 day sort of warranty period it is actually the uh, the best travelled rover of any rover that's ever been anywhere 45.16 kilometres is the distance that's been covered or 28 miles if that's easier for you and unfortunately because of this global dust storm that is, has kind of basically turned the clear skies that used to apply generally in a reliable way over the, uh, over the, the site that Opportunity is uh, roving around on that's at Meridiani Planum Unfortunately, that's now sort of overcast. It's not really that dark. It's kind of an overcast. This is this the first major? So it it's is. It's a, yeah. the first major one that they've had since they were there. They, I think they did survive one, but it wasn't as big and it wasn't as long-lived. They're saying now that this could last until September before they even have a chance of hearing back from the rover. But they think a few things that have happened which are which are sort of a little bit unfortunate. They reckon that the there's a mission f- clock fault, so there's a clock, like a, a master clock that's mm-hmm. that the, the rover lives by. It knows what time it is. It knows what's going on. So it's gone dormant for too long? And in that, well, if you run out of batteries, you don't even have have battery power to run that clock to keep that going, which is something that would be going on in the background. So that's not a great thing. Uh, It'll also put itself to sleep only to wake when the sky is eventually clear. That's That's a low power fault there are a fleet of orbiters around mars that are having a great time even though the opportunity rover's in a bit of trouble on the surface Uh, these orbiters are not affected by the global dust storm and it is a rare phenomenon in in the time that they've been there this is one of the biggest meteorological events that's been seen since they've been studying mars from with spacecraft from the 1960s and because the atmosphere is so thin does that mean that the dust can get much higher do we know like sort of what heights that that dust is actually getting to well this is one of the things that they're looking at is is uh, you know how temperature affects the movement of dust through the atmosphere. Obviously, you know the atmosphere extends to a hundred kilometres or more yep. above the surface, but it's a very, very thin atmosphere. It's a hundredth of the surface pressure of the Earth at ground level. And a lot of the atmosphere has been lost to space over the eons, over billions of years. We know that we can we can look at the surface and see channels most likely carved by water. Mm-hmm. And we know that there's a lot of water frozen uh, at the poles and in the and in subsurface of Mars. So we know that there was water. Understanding what's happened over time to cause such a thin atmosphere now... You know, we don't see flowing water there now. So this is one of the things that's of interest because we're trying to work out where there may have been conditions that were favourable to life. And the understanding is that at the moment from uh, the Curiosity rover is that, yes, there were conditions that were favourable to life. Mm. It was warmer, there was water, uh, there was a thicker atmosphere. But how it lost all those and how conditions changed so dramatically to leave us with this sort of frozen desert with very thin atmosphere, is something that's an ongoing open scientific yeah. question, which is being studied. These uh, different orbiters, in fact, there's uh, there's a bunch of... I'm going to talk about the NASA orbiters today, but there are European orbiters as well that are doing the same thing, studying this, uh, this global dust storm. And there's an Indian orbiter as well, a very low-cost mission to Mars, which has been very successful and shows what you can do with a, a reasonably limited budget compared with... Uh, The sort of budgets that NASA spends, yeah. Uh, The Mars Odyssey, it's been in orbit for a long time now, I think over 10 years in orbit. This is one of the largest weather events that it's it's seen in the time that it's been orbiting. One of the things that it's looking at is, is how these dust storms go global. So they saw a little, what looked like a very local... Uh, small scale dust storm in early June mm-hmm. developed pretty quickly within a matter of weeks became a, a globally encompassing mm-hmm. storm and, yeah. it's st- and it's hanging around it's not changing mm-hmm. I think even amateur telescope uh, you know, amateur astronomers on Earth who point a telescope at Mars a decent sized telescope they can see this uniformity you don't see the kind of variations of for example there's a big canyon system mm-hmm. uh, stretching uh, around the uh, equator of Mars that can be visible quite easily through a, a, a normal Earth, a, through a, f- a pretty standard telescope yeah. backyard telescope well you're not seeing that at the moment. You've got this bland, butterscotch kind of uh, appearance, and it is, it's really bright in the sky at the moment because yes. it's quite um, it's sort of quite high in the horizon. Mm. And um, I've sort of noticed, you know, if I've been outside of eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night, it's actually quite high, very, very bright. I think it's quite close in its yeah. orbit, so there are times of the year when Mars gets particularly close to Earth, and I think we may be going through one mm. of those times at the moment. So Mars Odyssey, the thermal emission imaging system, being very useful there for trying to work out how these dust storms go global. Every Mars year during the dust season, there are a lot of local and regional-scale storms that cover one area of the planet. I'm quoting from Michael Smith, a scientist of NASA's Goddard Space Flight Centre in Greenbelt, Maryland. He actually works on the Themis instrument. Scientists aren't yet sure how these smaller storms sometimes grow to and end up encircling the entire planet. Now, the Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter, uh, it's... Using a suite of instruments as well, it's got a very powerful camera on board, telescope really, which can you know observe the surface down to less than a meter in resolution. About five, I think, fifty centimeters, five hundred mil, is is possible. It does that by sort of double overlapping the same area with the instruments, and then using a computer to combine the images to get that really high resolution data back. Uh, that's not so useful at the moment because of the amount of dust that's in the atmosphere obscuring the view down to the surface. But it does have a Mars climate sound the MCS instrument which measures how the atmosphere's temperature changes with altitude this was Mm -hmm. something you were asking about before Mm -hmm. and since the end of May the instruments have observed the onset and rapid expansion of a dust storm on Mars scientists are studying how the dust storm changes the planet's atmospheric temperatures just as in Earth's atmosphere changing temperatures on Mars can affect wind patterns and even the circulation of the entire atmosphere so where is the air rising and falling? How do the atmospheric temperatures now compare to a stormless year, which they've observed in the past? As with Mars Odyssey, the MRO team wants to know how these dust storms go global. So there are some of the big questions that are being looked at by the Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter. MAVEN uh, is a recently arrived uh, NASA orbiter. Its its real mission is actually to study the upper atmosphere and to explain how the atmosphere and the, the climate of Mars changed so dramatically from mm. you know from billions of years ago when we know that there was flowing water on the surface and a much denser atmosphere. That's the job of MAVEN, uh, and uh, it is also having a bit of a field day looking at the propagation of this massive planet-encompassing dust storm that we're seeing. MAVEN does five orbits per day. They're getting some great data back from MAVEN looking at the atmosphere. The Curiosity rover is based at Gale Crater on the other side of the planet from where uh, from where Opportunity is. And uh, it's doing... Uh, It's got a recommissioned drill that is acquiring uh, a fresh rock sample at the moment, but they're also using instruments to study how the dust storm evolves. It's nuclear-powered, not affected by lack of light at Gale Crater. And it does have a little weather uh, instrument on board. It's called REMS. It's got a suite of weather instruments that can help study the atmospheric tides, shift in pressure that moved as, wa- as waves across the entire planet's thin air. These tides change drastically based on where the dust is globally, not just inside Gale Crater. The storm may also reveal secrets about Martian dust devils and winds, and those dust devils are what we uh, we've talked about. They've Helped been to clean the yeah, they've panel, they've yeah. randomly gone over the surface of the Opportunity uh, solar panels and uh, you know boosted its power output mm. and kept it going for the. 15 years that it's lasted. So, let's hope that this dust storm clears. It's expected to clear up uh, potentially in September, and uh, we—that's when we'd be really hoping to hear back from Opportunity. Otherwise, yeah. it may have uh, end of its life. May, maybe may, may be the end of that uh, very, very successful extended mission. Thanks for listening. And head to beyondinfinity.com.au for the best bits from the live show, or to connect with us on social media. We welcome your feedback and suggestion for future shows.